or your brain is your biggest sex organ. And so how you get it involved and how you can flip the switch is to do a few different things. And as women, we tend to be multitaskers. So we have 15 things going on in our head and we're probably two or three days in the future. Just practicing even having some transition time. Like say if you're, you know, your partner is showing you that they want to have sex and you're like, okay, well, I'm, mm, I don't think it's going to happen. Maybe try and say, okay, you know, give me 15 minutes so I can get ready and then stop and breathe. Maybe take a, a couple deep breaths. Maybe go take a quick shower, put on something that feels good to you. Sometimes just taking the shower and being naked is enough, right? It's having some transition time. Hi, I'm Talia and welcome to the Rebel Love Podcast, where each week I'll bring you a new episode exploring love, sex, relationships and money. Join me as together we question, explore and strive to understand. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Rebel Love Podcast. My guest today is Dr. Brandy Wilson-Manigat, MD, aka Dr. Brandy. She's among America's most well-known OBGYN physicians and surgeons. She's called upon by various local and national media outlets to give a fresh perspective and new information on women's health trends. Dr. Brandy is the founder and chief medical advisor for drbrandymd.com, where she created a safe space to discuss real-world strategies to help women learn the truth about sex and orgasms and embracing their feminine essence. She's also the author of the Amazon number one best-selling book, My Oh My, A Committed Women's Guide to Getting the Great Sex She Deserves. Welcome, Dr. Brandy. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here with you, Talia. I think that your book is uh, very well needed, A Committed Woman's Guide to Getting the Great Sex She Deserves. What a great title. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It um, kind of makes one person asked me, she was like, a committed woman's guide. Like, what is what does committed woman mean? And I'm like, well, originally I thought about it in the context of a woman being in relationship, in a committed relationship. Mm-hmm. I was like, but you know what? It's a woman committed to getting the great sex that she deserves. She's looking for that. She wants to know how to have that. So the 100%. book covers all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, totally. If you're in a relationship or not, we all deserve great sex. So oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We're definitely going to be talking about that. But before we do, um, I'd love it if you could share a little bit about yourself and your journey to how you got where you are now. Okay. I'd love to. Um, so I have been work, doing my work as a sex and pleasure coach for a little over seven years now. Um, but the journey to get here was probably many, many years in the making. Um, you know, I very much struggled with low libido in early in my life, like in my late twenties. And I was trying to find some answers and get to a place where I really was enjoying sex again. And this was even before I went through like medical training and all that stuff. And at first, you know, you try the usual stuff, the lingerie, 50 shades, all of the things, right? But it would only work for a little bit, just for a little bit of time. And then I would go back to, yeah, I really you know, don't want to have sex. And at that point, I was with my boyfriend who then became my husband. Um, We got married and, you know, you would think, okay, you're married now. It gets better. Everything is great. And no, it got 
worse. It got significantly worse. And, you know, I was at that point, I had made it through medical school, in residency, out of residency, home, and starting a private practice. And there was just so much going on. And all I really wanted to do was sleep. Like I was trying to keep all the plates in the air, keep them spinning, Mm -hmm. don't let anything fall through the cracks. And just at the end of the day, I was Well, I can't even say at the end of the day, because even in the mornings, it was like, don't touch me. I'm trying to sleep. Leave me alone. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it was just all all of the things. And I just I didn't realize some of the things that were happening to me. And, you know, it was really my relationship was falling apart because I did not want to have sex. And that, you know, at the time, I didn't realize how important that was to a relationship. And it felt very much like it was a frivolous thing. And it's like, well, we're trying to do all these other things. Why, you know, why are you busting my balls about sex? Right. And, you know, I, it just, it had such a big toll on my relationship that my li- relationship literally imploded. It fell apart. And, you know, I had been making some strides and trying to figure some things out. But it just, it wasn't enough. It really wasn't enough. And the relationship fell apart. And at that point, going through the healing of that and really tapping into who I was and what was going on with my body, you know, I I just, it began a mission really to try to help myself, but also help other women who were going through this. Because at the time I was in private practice and I was having women come to see me who were going through the same things. And they were, you know, 28, 30, like, Mm -hmm. hey, what's going on? You know, they would come in and ask me, you know, hey, can you check my hormones? I think I might be in menopause. And it's like, okay, well, let's talk about it. It's it's unlikely, but we we can see because it Mm -hmm. is possible. So, you know, we go through all the stuff and they would be like, okay, these are the things and, you know, I, I don't want to have sex anymore. So that's why I think I'm in menopause. And it's like, well, you know, one, menopause doesn't automatically equal no desire for sex. But two, you know, let's dig a little bit deeper and figure out what was going on. And so like me, you know, I had some depression going on. I had adrenal fatigue going on. I was really just burning the candles at both ends, plus in the middle and really doing too much. And I was just disconnected. Like everything was in my head. I was not in my body. I, Mm -hmm. you know, pleasure was like, what pleasure? Really? I'm just not into it. I'm not here for it. I got work to do. I got things to do. Um, And so, as I was, you know, chatting with them and hearing their stories, I'm like, this, you know, this sounds very much like what I've gone through. And at by that time, I had come through with some processes and things that were helping me. And I'm like, okay, well, let me help you. Let me give you a little bit of homework. Go home, try this out, see how how it goes. And they would come back to me and, you know, be like, Dr. Brandy, thank you so much. Like, I have noticed such a big difference just from what you taught me. And it was at that point that I decided, you know, I need to help other women to have this this transformation because Mm -hmm. I didn't want women. One, I didn't want women to have these myths and miseducation about 
sex to be all that they knew. But I also knew practically, like this can really break up relationships. And I was hurt by my breakup and I didn't want other women to go through that. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I started Life Love Libido, which was my coaching business. And Mm -hmm. I've been doing that ever since. Wow. Wow. What an, what an incredible story. I feel like your work is so, so incredibly important. And I feel like people don't tend to give too much weight to their sex life. And like you said, like, you know, it's, it can be make or break for relationships, especially if you're in a monogamous relationship, you're not doing it with anybody else. So, you know, you want to be having that affection and love at, at home. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, um, can you talk a little bit about, um, I mean, I know it might be obvious for some, but uh, about the emotion or or the, the pressure that you were feeling from your, your husband at the time, um, Mm -hmm. to kind of figure this out while you were, you know, working and learning and just doing so many other things, you, your brain just would have been filled to the brim. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was rough. Um, there was a lot of, resentment, bitterness, a lot of, you see what I'm doing. Why are you, why are you pressuring me? And also kind of this, this secret thought, like, you know, is this all there is? And why, like, why? Like, and my belief system is that God made sex. And so it, in making it, he made it as a gift for us. So it's supposed mm-hmm. to feel good. It's supposed to right. be this good thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it wasn't. And it's like, well, I'm married and it's supposed to be good. And I don't understand why it's not good. And then I got the pressures of, okay, but I need you to, to do this. And I'd like to do this. And it's just with you. So, you know, what are we going to do? Right. And, you know, it was this this tug of war and it's like, okay, well, do I just do it and take one for the team or mm-hmm. do I, you know, or do I just say no? And, you know, there were many, many times where it's just like, okay, well, I'm just, I, I'm just going to let you do what you need to do. And, you know, you got five good minutes and then mm-hmm. I'm going to need you to get off me because I can't. And so it was just this heartbreaking time, most of the time. And it was horrible because to get in the mood was really, really bad. Mm-hmm. But actually, once I was into it, it was like, okay, this doesn't feel bad. Like it feels mm-hmm. good. So why, why am I having these issues? And, you know, it would, as much as I was like, I'm so tired and I'm just not in the mood and I don't want to do this. At the same time, you know, my husband would approach me and I could see the frustration. I could see the hurt. I could see, you know, the rejection as I would say no. And he would turn over and just kind of sigh. And it was like, I, you know, I just don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And at one point, you know, we had tried in the morning because he was loving morning times. And I'm like, why are you touching me? It's too early. I'm not a morning person. Stop right. messing with me. <laughs> and you know, it was just like, again, we we couldn't make it happen. He left to go to work. He was very frustrated. And I was just like ruminating, like, how am I supposed to please my husband? How am I supposed to want and have more sex if I don't even like sex? Because I had made that 
assumption that had been the connection of if I didn't want to want it, then I must not want sex and I must not like sex. Mm -hmm. And so as I was just like, how am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to do this? You know, my brain, my subconscious, I think my inner guide really came to me and was like, do you really not like sex? And that just kind of stopped me in my tracks. And I totally was just like, wait a minute, do I like sex? And I had to think back and I'm like, no, I do like sex. It feels good. It's a nice thing. Mm -hmm. And well, if I like sex then what is the issue going on here? Mm -hmm. And then I, you know, I had to think about it. I'm like, okay, well, I don't necessarily like how he's approaching me. So maybe if we tweaked a little bit of that, it would, Mm -hmm. you know, be better. But I had also like, even in our conversations, um, my husband, we, we would have numerous conversations, never got to any conclusions about anything, but numerous conversations. And he was always like, well, at the end of it, you know, well, I like sex and you don't. So that was also kind of running through my head, like, okay, well, I don't like sex and da 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 da. And so I had to break a lot of the limiting beliefs that I had in my head around sex, first and foremost, and then start to explore, like, really, what does sex mean? What does it mean? Mm-hmm. And I understood it differently as I started to explore what it was that I wanted what it was that I needed from Mm -hmm. a sexual relationship. And it was more than just the orgasm. It was more than just that physical sensation. Like I needed the mental connection. I needed the emotional connection and even the spiritual connection. Like I needed it to be almost like a sacred event. Mm -hmm. And it just, it wasn't. And so once I was able to clearly see that, um, and it it took years because <laughs> it was okay. Let's learn about this. Oh, let's learn about that. Oh, that could, that actually is impacting my my libido, and I really want to have sex. Okay, okay. Yeah. So you know all of that that I did just in terms of of really tapping into my feminine essence and and figuring out who I was mm-hmm. um, is what went into how I was helping other women. Mm. I I really love hearing you say that because uh, I've had a lot of different types of sex and I think that um, what I'm hearing, and correct me if I'm wrong, and perhaps some of your patients tend to make themselves wrong. It's like, oh, I've got a problem. There's something wrong with me. And it's like, well, hang on. I love that you took a step back and, and said, well, you know, because he said like, well, you don't like sex and I like sex. And then you had in your head, oh, well, that must mean it's me. And it's like, mm, no, not really. <laughs> like, there's lots of, it's complex. So it, mm. it's definitely complex. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, yeah, a lot of women that I talk to, they, they come to me and they do feel like they're broken and like yeah. something is wrong with them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, no. You know, very, very rarely is the equipment not working and all the stuff not working. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But we have to we have to tap into the things that help the process. And a lot of times, unknowingly, we're doing things that are hurting our natural inclinations around sex and libido. Um, Or we just we don't understand it. So it's important for me when I do the work that I do to not only affirm women in what they are experiencing, but also to help them to look at it in a way where they're not like, oh, 
you know, something's wrong with me. I'm broken. Right. Totally. Yeah. I remember when I was younger, I never really orgasmed from sex and I always was like, oh, I guess I'm just broken. And I mean, to be honest, it never really (laughs) bothered me that much. I was like, oh, I guess that's what sex is because I still enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And then I met my most significant partner and I was like I'd never had that quality of sex before and it was all of the things that you mentioned like it was a state like he was the energy was incredible the way he kissed mm-hmm. me was incredible his energy we just had this insane chemistry but we also loved each other very deeply so we had we, mm-hmm. we worked together physically but we, there was just such this hu- huge level of love that it, it elevated the the sexual encounter to this mm-hmm. different level and and there could be all different types of sex within mm-hmm. that space and it was just I felt and I think uh, um, I mean I, I've heard a lot of women speak of this the first thing to to really relaxing is mm-hmm. like feeling safe and I always felt incredibly safe in his arms and it was it just I just never knew that that kind of sex mm-hmm. was possible so I, I just you know for anyone thinking that <laughs> It's not possible, you know, it happens. So did you, um, after this, um, after that experience with your husband, did you have different types of sexual experiences that kind of gave you hope that things could Um, be different? So I did a little bit more of like self-exploration, more so than partnered sex, um, just because, you know, it was a little bit complicated. We hadn't gotten divorced yet. And I was just like, okay, well, I'm going to, some chill for a minute, do what I need right, to do. Sure. Um, yeah. So there was, you yeah, know, there was sure. more self-exploration and just understanding of, okay, who, who I am and really stepping into who I am and loving on myself. And it really came to a point of understanding who I was as a sexual being, because I, I, even in that process of discovering kind of the mechanics of things and, you know, all these points on your body that you can stimulate for sex and orgasm and all that stuff, it's still, it was still like, okay, but really what's the meaning? Like what, why? And so I felt like before I ended, entered into any other sexual relationship, I really wanted to be solid in what, I knew about sex and what I knew about my body and what I knew about what I needed as a woman first before I, you know, I got into that, that place and that space. So I didn't necessarily do anything with anyone else, but I, I still was learning and I still am like, there's still stuff that I'm reading about and experiencing and all that stuff. But I feel like when it comes to like the mm-hmm. foundational stuff, like, all right, what is sex and how do you have it? And how do you have it in a way that is super yummy, just good, you know, um, that if mm-hmm. I can help a woman to get there, then I help her to get there. Yeah. And what a gift, what a gift. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go a little bit back to basics now, um, just for, for those of people listening that may not know, can you define what a libido is? I just want to really strip yeah. it back to let's let's start if right, you have right. a patient so come in. Basically, libido is just sex drive. It's your innate desire for sex. It's that craving or that wanting for sex. And I think a lot of women have this misconception that if they don't start off 
like desiring sex, then there's something wrong. When in actuality, the cycle of a woman's desire can start at spontaneous sexual desire, but a lot of times it doesn't. A lot of times it starts with the physical touching and arousal piece. A lot of times it starts with, you know, something that you said, just feeling safe and secure. Sometimes it starts with, okay, you see your partner taking on a task that you they know that you hate to do, but you do it anyway because it needs to get done. And you see them doing it and you're like, oh my God, he's listening. They're listening, right? And it's like, <laughs> oh, you look so good right now, baby. You know, so there are so many different ways for a woman to get to a point where she is open and receptive to sex. Um, and it's not just sex drive, but we we do you know, miss that because in the beginning of a relationship, you know, you want to want it. Like you you can't wait to see the other person, but there's also, a, you know, a different dynamic going on. When you're together, you're together. You usually, well, we, depending on how old you are, you may or may not have had cell phones at the time when you were meeting each other. And, you know, you're looking into each other's eyes. You're asking questions to get to know somebody. It all feels new and exciting. So those things all, you know, will play into this feeling of desire that you have for another person. But, you know, what happens once you are comfortable, once you do get to know each other? You know, there's a lot of times that we start to take each other for granted and we don't you know, stay curious about our partners. We don't really cultivate a sense of, you know, I really enjoy you. And we're just kind of, you know, walking side by side. We're roommates. We may be raising kids together, taking care of each other's, you know, parents and all these other things, but we're really not stoking the flames and the fire of our love and our connection and our commitment and the sexual factor that goes into into that. But libido itself, to answer your question, Mm -hmm. I know I went off off topic just a little bit but um libido is just no no it's super useful Mm -hmm. yeah well that was my next question was the patterns but you just spoke about that and you know i mean it just ebbs and flows Mm -hmm. right we go through cycles and and something you mentioned at the start of um, this interview was you know when you were studying and when you were learning you were so busy and i think that um you know when our brains are really full like you said you just you just don't have the the capacity mm-hmm. or the bandwidth mm-hmm. to, you know, even kind of, I know it sounds bad, but even kind of think about it. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm just not yeah. in that place right now. So that, that brings me on to my next question. What, what's the role our brain plays in our libido and how do we begin to stimulate the part of our brain to keep our libido strong? Because this word complex mm-hmm. keeps coming up for me. It just feels like there's just so mm-hmm. many elements there is, to this. There is. And your brain really is the starting place for sex. Like most most people think about other sexual organs uh, uh, and other parts of our bodies as being involved in sex, but your brain is your biggest sex organ. And so how you get it involved and, and how you can kind of flip the switch, so to speak, is to do a few different things. One, like you said, just being super busy. Um, we, and as women, we tend to be multitaskers. So we have 15 things going on in our head and we're probably two or three days in the future planning stuff. 
And so we, we're not here in the present, in the now. And so, you know, just practicing even having some transition time. Like say if you're, you know, your partner is, is showing you that they want to have sex and you're like, okay, well, I'm, you know, I'm doing 15 other things and I got these other things. Mm, I don't think it's going to happen. Maybe try and say, okay, you know, give me 15 minutes, honey. If, you know, if you have kids, can you put the kids to bed, whatever, I'm going to take this 15 minutes so I can get ready. And then one, just, you know, stop and breathe maybe take a, a couple deep breaths, maybe go take a quick shower, um, you know, put on something that feels good to you. And it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, lingerie or whatever. Sometimes just taking the shower and being naked is enough, right? But it's it's mm-hmm. having some transition time and allowing your brain to settle some of those wheels that are turning so that you can really be present in the moment. Um doing new things together. Like I, I'm from Los Angeles. I live in in Los Angeles and there are so many like places in the city, in the state of California, even that I have not visited. So, you know, maybe visit some of those places that you've never been, take a cooking class together, do something that is new and, and allows you to be together. Even journaling sometimes is helpful to get your your brain activated in terms of thinking about questions like, do I like sex? Like, what about sex do I like? What about sex do I hate? Like, what's what's my favorite fantasy? And, you know, writing about those things can be helpful to activate the brain. Um, so there's, there's so many different ways that we can activate it. Um, stress, though, is one of the big deactivators of our brain. Um, for a number of different reasons. One, it puts us into fight, flight, or freeze mode. And when it does that, that's telling your body, hey, you're in danger. So if you're in danger, if your body thinks you're in danger, your body's not going to be trying to have a baby and trying to make a baby. So it's like, yeah, no, sex, hmm, not so much. It's just not going to happen just on that level. But then Mm -hmm. it also affects your hormones because- the same molecule that is in the body that gets used to create cortisol and and some of the stress hormones is also the same molecule that in a different set of situations would be directed to make your sex hormones. So estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, these kinds of things. So your body has to make a choice. All right, we got this limited amount of this precursor. Which way are we going to go? And if you're stressed, it's going to go to what's going to keep you alive as opposed to what's going to go to help you to make a baby. So, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you mentioned some really good things there. And and one thing came up for me, actually, a a friend of mine, exactly what you're saying about going out and doing a cooking class together or doing something in your city that you haven't done before. My girlfriend was telling me that her and her partner, um, because of the pandemic, we've all been locked down and, you know, she's like, I've been with my family and we haven't really been out and seen anyone. And we all went away when lockdown lifted. We all went away together in a house with a bunch of other families and kids. And she said, I realized that my partner and I work really well together in groups with Mm. other people. And we never actually get that because we're always either one of us is with the children or we're with the children together and we don't go out together Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. the kids 
or even just as a couple. And she's like, I, I didn't realize because it's been so long how much that is generating, like generating this lovely energy between us because we thrive mm-hmm. in that environment. And when she had that realization, I remember thinking, oh, wow, what a great oh, yeah. observation. And, and she, yeah, so then she started putting herself in more of those situations and she's like, mm-hmm. it's so nice because it's like we have, we're back to, like we're a couple and we never really feel like that because we just live right. together all the time. It kind of sounds a bit weird, but when yeah. I say it, but no, lot, I get you. I get you. Made, yeah, yeah. No, because we we conquer. Yeah. We divide and conquer. And it's like, okay, look, you take this kid to the doctor's appointment. I'm going to take your mother to her doctor's appointment, and we're going to meet up at dinner. And we may or may not eat together because then I got to do X, Y, and Z, and you got to do X, Y, and Z. So yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. So to have those experiences where you get to live life yes. together makes you know all that difference and another thing you said really stood out to me of like kind of made me think of the love languages of like when people are doing things for you like that's sexy like that's gonna get Mm -hmm. you know maybe your love language Mm -hmm. is acts of service and like that's actually really sexy that that might be something that's gonna get get you in the mood and it's like okay well maybe yeah (laughs) yeah 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 beautiful Um, okay. So let's move on to orgasms now. Cause I know that, um, like I said, like when I was younger, I, I don't know, I just never really thought about it. I never, I never shamed myself for it or thought it was bad. I just thought, oh, okay, this is what my sex life is going to be like until I had that amazing relationship. And, and I was like, oh my gosh. But the thing is, is that, um, I think a lot of it was that, that love that, like you said, exactly what you said at the start of that feeling, I needed that Mm -hmm. connection. I needed that connection to, uh, I guess to let Mm -hmm. go is the word to Mm -hmm. like relax into it. And, um, and then when I did things started to, to happen. Um, so I know this might sound like a super obvious question, but how do we know if we've had an orgasm? Because I have had people on the podcast have said before, one podcast um, guest said she felt like she was dead mm-hmm. from the waist mm-hmm. down. She she didn't you know she didn't know. So how do we how do we know how do we know if we've well, had a, um, I, know I think before we answer that, we'll answer what an orgasm actually is. Um, right, right. Oh, yes, we, please. I Sorry. think that's important. <laughs> that's um, and so yes. <laughs> an orgasm, just plain language, is the release of built up sexual tension, and. A lot of times when we think about orgasms, we kind of think of, you know, this explosive like fireworks in the sky, all the things that happen. And that can happen. That's one type of orgasm. But not all orgasms are the same. And not every woman will have the same kind of orgasm every time that she is having an orgasm. Um, So how do you know, you know, what what you're experiencing is an orgasm. Well, generally, you'll feel like there's a buildup of of tension, a buildup of of excitement and good feelings. And then you'll have those good feelings, you know, culminate into something, whether it is that fireworks explosion or just this, you know, incredibly warm sensation throughout your body. Some women actually cry when they have orgasms. So it varies and you can be doing the same exact things, same exact stimulation with the same exact partner and have an absolutely different orgasm from that same experience. So you just 
it's kind of difficult to explain just, but in a strictly physical sense, it's you get this buildup of incredible good feelings that then culminate into just this sense of, yes, it's, it's complete. And then you feel very calm and contented afterwards. Yeah. I, I, that's so true that you can have different types too. Like sometimes you want the big explosion one, but it's not there. And sometimes it yeah, creeps like, up on you minute. and you're like, Wait, where did that come ready. from? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or I just really wasn't mm-hmm. expecting that. I've, I've had times where I'm like, oh, I'm probably not going to orgasm today because I don't know. I just mm-hmm. kind of had that feeling. And then it just yeah, comes out of nowhere. Like, cool. and it's okay. <laughs> amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I feel like my head's filling up with this like, bliss liquid mm-hmm. I, don't know, I don't know how to explain it but it's amazing yeah okay great this is awesome and okay so how can we this is a million dollar question how can we perhaps invoke or, or encourage those more mm-hmm. firework mm-hmm. orgasms well there's a few different ways there's a few different ways um one is definitely feeling safe and secure like in order to have any orgasm, you really do have to feel safe and secure, whether that is safe and secure, meaning, okay, we're in the bedroom, we've locked the door so we don't have to worry about kids barging in, um, or that is yep. emotional safety where you're like, okay, I know that I can share this experience and I can you know, make whatever noise, make whatever face that I'm going to make with this orgasm and not be, you know, oh my God, what, what did you do? What are you doing? What, you know, not have that, that sense of judgment or criticism about what's happening. Um, right. And then mm-hmm. another thing that you can do is just stimulating multiple areas of the body because we tend to think of, okay, for women, the clitoris is, you know, queen in terms of orgasms and all that stuff. But there's at least 10 other spots on your body that you can stimulate for orgasm. So if you put two or three of those together, especially if you have like a sex toy and your partner's hands and your hands, you can, you know, bring about Mm -hmm. lots and lots of sexual tension that will then likely explode Mm -hmm. into that fireworks situation. Using sex toys just in general, um, because they give you different Mm -hmm. sensations. And, you know, now they have these wonderful toys that have multiple vibration patterns and intensities, and you can do all these things and find, you know, just the right one for you. Um, So toys are great Mm -hmm. to do that as well. You can do certain breathing techniques that help you to really get out of your head and get into your body and be able to focus. Cause a lot of times I have clients who tell me, you know, we're in the middle of it, but I'm thinking about laundry. I'm thinking about the kids and I'm, you know, I'm thinking about all these other things, Well, you really have to be present in the moment to truly experience those mm-hmm. like fireworks orgasms. And so focusing on your breathing, your partner's breathing, focusing on how they they feel how they're touching you. So just just getting into the moment, mm-hmm. those, that's also a, a good way to be able to have an, an, an amazing, explosive orgasm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just what came up for me when you said that as well, when you're um, when you are incredibly present with your partner, in, especially in that very extremely vulnerable moment, it's just really ex- uh, incredibly mm. respectful to be like, "Hey, we're in this moment. I'm mm. with you. Let's be here." But I do understand that life is, you know, incredibly mm. busy and mm-hmm. complex. That word keeps coming up. But yeah, I had, I did have something. I'm not sure if you if you can help with this, but. I love sex toys. I think sex toys are amazing. I think they help a lot of couples. Thankfully, I've been in great situations with partners where they haven't felt threatened by them. But I have heard stories, especially through the blog of women wanting to bring sex toys into the bedroom and their partners feeling Mm -hmm. threatened by that Mm -hmm. possibility. Do you have any advice around that? I think part of it is just beginning to have a conversation Cause a lot of times we don't, we don't talk about sex with our partners. Like I was talking about sex with my partner cause it was a problem. <laughs> and he was like, look, I can't, mm-hmm. but we really aren't having yeah. like regular conversations about our sex life. And do we enjoy this or, you know, will we like to try something different? Um, so even just having a conversation around general self sex topics, you know, what, what's your fantasies that you have? You know, what specific positions really feel good to you? Just beginning to have that conversation first, because, you you know, if you're you're not having any conversations and you just pop up and be like, listen, I got this toy. I want to try it. <laughs> it's, it could be problematic. It could be problematic. So you want to start having yeah, right. some, some general conversations, I think. And you right. can also begin to use like checklists. Like I have this checklist of yes, no, maybe. And you and your partner can both fill it out and say, okay, are you into this? Yes, no, maybe. And, you know, you come back together and have a conversation Mm. about the no's and the maybes and see if there's, if there Mm. is some fear or, you know, what is around that. And obviously respecting if somebody's like, no, that's a hard no, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing that. But being able to just explore those things, I think, is important. Secondly, I think just being able to kind of reassure your partner and how you're approaching it. Because sometimes your partner is like, well, you know, why, why are you wanting to use this? Am I not doing something good? You know, am I not pleasing you? Right. And so I think it's important to always, always, if you're giving any kind of feedback, you got to sandwich it in with good stuff. So you don't hurt anybody's feelings. You don't bruise any egos. So, you know, you start off with, babe, you know, I really love it when you do this because I feel, you know, amazing. It feels whatever. I'd like to try this to see if it would make it even better because I really love it when you do this. That just, it's, it's the thing. And, you know, you're, you're pumping up the ego and you're saying, but, you know, I would also like to try this other thing. Can we do something different? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you for giving us that language. Mm-hmm. That's really, really helpful. <laughs> what about this? This brings us on to the next point. What about if, if we um, in ourselves are feeling shame around um, mm. self-pleasuring? Do you that have is- any advice for that? Because I know that. Yeah. Yeah, some people mm-hmm. grow up in yeah environments it very where much it's frowned upon it's and shame. yeah, yeah, yes. So yes, yes. You know, 
from a religious perspective, I don't think that there's any specific restrictions on self-pleasure. And so I really, you know, I really am of the mindset that it, it's a personal decision. Like there's nothing that says you should do it. There's nothing that says that you shouldn't do it. Um, I am also very much wanting women to explore their bodies and to learn what feels good. And sometimes that does have to happen without your partner. Sometimes you you need to have that space to just, you know, let loose and really see what is possible with your body. Um, and that may or may not be masturbation in the sense of, OK, I'm doing this specifically because I want to have an orgasm. I think that is more of self-exploration. But do I think that masturbation is wrong? Not in and of itself, but I think it's it's a personal decision for everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what would you say, um, just before we wrap up here, what would you say to someone who walked into your office and said, I want to have sex again, perhaps who was in a similar situation to you, I want to have sex again, but I just don't mm-hmm. right now but I do want it. Like I'm, I'm seeing the whole that it's leaving in our relationship or my relationship. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so obviously first I would start off with just asking, you know, how long has this been going on for? Is this a new thing with this partner? Has it been going on for, for all of your life is, you know, what's the baseline, what's going on baseline. And then mm-hmm. just kind of depending on where they are and what's happening, I try to start off with just basic things of make sure you get enough sleep, make sure you are moving your body and exercising, and then make sure that you are getting enough me time. And so the sleep piece is super important because the number one reason that women are like, I don't want to have sex is because I'm tired. So we got to get the sleep together. But it also, if you're not getting enough sleep, especially chronic sleep deprivation, and that can be not getting enough hours of sleep or having significant interruptions in your sleep, um, that actually will put you into that high stress state, cortisol levels. Your body's like, nope, it's not time to have no babies, so no sex. And it's throwing your hormones off. Mm. So sleep is probably the first thing that we address Um, Second thing with moving your body. So one thing that we don't do um, is get up and move. We don't do a whole lot of exercise, at least in our country. In America, we don't do a whole lot of exercise. Um, And and for me, exercise actually is a bad word. I I can't exercise for exercise sake, but I can get up and move my body. I can can dance. I can, you know, go ride a bike go you know, roller skating, whatever, yeah. but exercise. No, don't talk to me about yeah. that. Um, but <laughs> that act of moving actually increases your feel good hormones. And if you are feeling well overall, then you're more open and, and receptive to sex. And, and specifically the other piece of it is if you're generally moving your body and if you are doing exercise, that will help to tone your body and give you more of a sense of being fit. And another 
concern that women have, especially around sex, is what does my body look like? Does my partner find me attractive? And, you know, those things can give you some hangups around actually relaxing into sex and enjoying sex and being able to have an orgasm. So you're you're helping your your body to be more fit for sex and also giving you a better image of what your body can do. And then finally, just having mm-hmm. some me time and just doing things that literally make you feel good, that fill your soul. Like even when I was going through my issues with not wanting to have sex, like my days were so full, there was nothing in my day that I enjoyed doing. And it was like, okay, now that I have time, what is it that I want to do? And I couldn't figure it out. Like you couldn't pay me to tell you what I like to do. And so, you know, just finding certain things that you can do and that you enjoy, whether that's just having a cup of tea, whether that's painting, drawing, whether that's going for a walk on the beach, if you're close and you can do that, just whatever fills your soul and makes you feel good. Do more of that. Because if you're doing more of that, again, it's this general feeling of everything is good. And if you have more of that, you're more likely to want to have sex too. Mm-hmm. Well, it makes a lot of sense. When your cup is full, you're mm-hmm. able to share. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this has been incredibly, incredibly helpful. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Brandy. I I just really can't tell you how much this conversation needs to be had. I think so many women, and I'm sure some men perhaps, think that there's something mm-hmm. wrong with them when, in fact, I feel like we just live in a really demanding society and things yeah. are just complex. So there's a lot of elements. I actually wanted to um, ask you that checklist mm-hmm. that you mentioned before. That was really interesting. Is there anywhere um, that our listeners may be able to? You know, I uh, don't have that? it anywhere um, on like my social platforms or anything. But if they if they email me at Dr. B at drbrandymd.com, I'm happy to, to send it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And Dr. Brandy's B-R-A-N-D-Y-E, everybody listening. Um, and if people want to get in touch with you, uh, Dr. Brandy, how can um, do well, Right. Um, besides email. Is there any other um, social Yeah. Have? So I have my website, drbrandymd.com. So D-R-B-R-A-N-D-Y-E-M-D.com. I am on Instagram at doctor. So it's D-R-dot-B-R-A-N-D-Y-E-M-D. I couldn't get the whole thing as one. Um, and then Facebook is at yeah. <laughs> Dr. Brandy MD altogether. D-R-B-R-A-N-D-Y-E-M-D. Perfect, perfect. And for anyone listening, if you'd like to make that a little bit easier, you can find all the links mentioned in this episode at rebellove.com forward slash EP34. Dr. Brandy, thank you so much again for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure. I really, thank really you, appreciate your time. This is always fun. I love to... to it's, I know it sounds weird, but I love talking about sex and pleasure. And so thank you for the opportunity yeah. <laughs> to do that, to do what I love. Yeah, well, it's so important. Like you said, it is so incredibly important. And I think that sometimes people may not think that it is important, but I think it's okay to think mm-hmm. that it's important. So thank you. Thank you. Again. Thank you. <laughs> 
for listening to the Rebel Love Podcast, the podcast about love, sex, relationships, and money. If you like this episode, please support us by subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform and find all the details of this episode and more at rebellove.com forward slash podcast.